The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. with video games the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television you can think of us as the jeff Keeley and hideo kojima of gaming podcasts we're a proud member of the psvg podcast network and thrilled to be part of the dice tower network as well i'm one of your hosts kyle and joining me on this co-op adventure the guy who i think is my best friend but i'm not sure he agrees josh how are you doing this evening I'm okay. I like your that's two. You knocked it out of the park two weeks in a row on the intros. So good job. Oh wait, no, I I can't say last week was the one before it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, last week confused a lot of people. No, that's uh, no big deal. No big deal. Uh, but Josh, it's December. It's December first, and uh, <laughs> a very inconvenient snowstorm is upon me. Uh, where it started snowing. Five hours ago, it's not going to stop until Tuesday at 9 a.m. Excellent. Yeah, literally. Like, it's not going to stop snowing right. <laughs> until Tuesday at 9 a.m., which is, you know, Monday, Tuesday. I thought it was going to be easy this week. I have Wednesday, the rest of the week off from work. That'll be nice and relatively uneventful, but no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might. Is there any possibility you'd have the entire week off, or would at nothing else would you have to go in and do snow removal Tuesday? I have to go in tomorrow and do snow removal, which is going oh, to be terrible. Tomorrow. Yeah, because we'll be doing snow removal in the middle of snow. Right, so right, right. <laughs> that's not very. Um, what is the right word to say? Uh, I'm just going to say maybe not the best decision, but you know they feel like <laughs> we have to be there, and they, you know. We have to be doing snow removal, apparently. So, uh, yeah, we'll be outside in this whatever weather we have. We're supposed to get sleet and freezing rain in the morning and then turn back over to snow. So should be a fun drive home. That is interesting because my parents, who live about four hours north of I, of me, uh, on Tuesday they got about nine inches of snow. And then they didn't get any, but then yesterday morning it started snowing, and when I talked to my mom earlier today, it still hadn't stopped snowing since when <laughs> it started yesterday morning. Ugh. And I then sent her a picture of my completely green grass, <laughs> <laughs> which my partner told me was very mean, mm. uh, but I was just trying to demonstrate the fact that, no, we have not gotten any snow yet, so... <laughs> I'm sure yeah. your mom was like, oh, you could have just said no. <laughs> She actually said, I wish my grass looked like that. And I said, I wish it did too. But (laughs) yeah, so they've been getting a lot of snow. It's amazing what difference just a few hours can make though. And, you know, obviously four is a lot, but even, you know, 60 minutes, 90 minutes sometimes can make a huge difference for some of those things. Yeah. If you go to the Cape, Cape Cod, um, which is 40 to 60 minutes from here, depending on where you're going, they're getting zero snow. Right. So... Yeah, that's interesting. It is re- interesting. Uh, the annual tradition in my home has started of baking holiday cookies. Mm. 
Uh, Josh, we have baked so many cookies in the last week, specifically my partner. She's baked most of them. I have assisted when I've been home because she took the entire week off from work. I was only off Thursday and Friday. But we are probably at about 1,200 cookies baked. Wow. For who? So she <laughs> gives them to her staff that she works with. And okay. Her staff then supervises other people, so she gives enough that when she gives cookies to her staff, there's enough cookies that they can share them with them with all of their staff members as well. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> if you figure that within her department, you know, she only, you know, oversees a handful of people, but you know, that's another seventy plus people underneath that. Uh that's a lot of cookies that get baked. And this year, there was the possibility it wasn't going to happen, and I secretly was kind of hoping it wasn't going to, but it did happen, and it's okay because they appreciate it, so it's good. She didn't know if anyone actually cared, but then she mentioned offhandedly that she's considering not doing it, and people freaked out. So, it's <laughs> nice that they appreciate it. It's just, hey, maybe you should say you appreciate it so you don't always almost lose out on it because it's expensive, which isn't a huge deal, but it's super time-consuming because that's basically all she did this week. So Yeah. Bake cookies. But hey, this isn't a cookie podcast, Josh. Not yet. Not yet. It is a gaming podcast. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at BoardWithVG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff on the Instagram. Also, BoardWithVG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our podcast with someone else who you think might enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So enough of the housekeeping, Josh. It is a news week. So what are some of the big news in the world of board games? Well, I guess there's a really big news to start, so I, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so this game kind of, for me at least, came out of nowhere. I don't know about you. Um, but there's this relatively uh, popular board game company called Awaken Realms. And they have a new game out. It's on Kickstarter. It is called Great Wall or The Great Wall board game. Uh, it's their next big release. And uh, to paint it simply, you build and defend the Great Wall in a unique worker placement Euro game that's from the Kickstarter itself. Currently, with 15 days to go, sitting at just under 17,000 backers. And the pledge is one point. $38 million on a goal of $51,000. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. This is another one of those games you could easily think it was like a come on Kickstarter because mm -hmm. of how many miniatures come in the core box, uh, not to mention the stretch goals. A basic pledge gets is $59, and it gets you the Great Wall core box meeple version which is something that kyle brought up in the discord that is something we were just talking about not too many weeks ago that's right that game so, should do this it's like this game is doing this and how successful it is 
They're doing it. And to get it to the miniature version, you're looking at uh, almost just about double the price. So you're going right. from $60 to $117 to get the miniatures version. Uh, it looks, I mean, it looks crazy. There's a lot going on on this board. Yeah, there are. Uh, it's one to four players, 120 to 180 minutes. So double that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's their uh, quote unquote fresh take on Euro worker placement type of board games. Um, in the game, this is from the Kickstarter page. Uh, players will take on the roles of generals of an ancient Chinese empire, a lead the defense against ruthless hordes. You'll need to gather allied advisors, manage your workers, recruit armies, and together with other players, raise and defend the Great Wall. As the game progresses, you will often need to negotiate and interact with other players, but make no mistake, there can be only one winner. So, before I ask you, well, this will answer my question, are you going to back this game? I really want to. I really want to. But the problem is, I really want to back it at the $120 level. Even though I'm the person who's like, games are too expensive. They should be less expensive. And here's a company offering me the less expensive option. I'm really tempted to get the more expensive one. Though if I do back it, which I have not yet, but I do have it set to remind me, uh, I would definitely get it at the sixty at the cheaper level is what I would get if I do it. Because uh, this game looks really interesting. There's so much in the box. And the nice thing is any of the stretch goals that are unlocked, it just is included. There's nothing else to add. You know, there. I think you can maybe purchase some quality upgrades potentially if you want to down the road. But I think everything else is just included, um, which is pretty cool. So any stretch goal, there is a fancy version and a less fancy version, depending on what you're backing at, which I think is a really cool way to do it. Uh, how about you, sir? Is this a game you're interested in? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. But not because I don't think it looks awesome. I just don't think I would ever get this played. Gotcha. Ever. Um, I actually think the meeples look better, look cooler than the miniatures, because uh, they're custom meeples and they look very cool. They are very cool meeples. They absolutely are. Now, if I painted my miniatures, I wouldn't. That statement would be crazy to say. Um, mm-hmm. But because I don't paint miniatures, I think the meeples are better. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a lot that comes with this game. There's also a cooperative mode box that comes separate from the game. Um, where you play side by side with other players, it's like a right. a, a horde mode essentially, mm-hmm. and it's fully co op. Not you're not fighting against each other, which I think is really cool. Um, there's so many this uh, Genghis Khan expansion, uh, with really cool pieces. Um, yeah, upgrades like you're talking about look really nice. Double sided board, upgraded wall pieces, a fifth player expansion. I mean. There's a lot um, in here. The Iron Dragon miniature, the playmat. I mean, this is a game where if I did have the money, I would buy it just to own it, I think. Right. Um, but because but because it would be just a to-own, maybe someday to play purchase, I can't really like... Uh, 15 days to go. So maybe if I come back from PAX with an extra 150 bucks burning a hole in my pocket... Maybe I'll get it. But you could get the cheaper version. You wouldn't need the $150 version. That's true. Maybe I could just... We'll see. Uh, I feel like they're going to be at PAX. 
So I'll tell them uh, they have to sell my life on my bagging <laughs> and see how they do. That could be. I, I will say they have done some, you know, Awakened okay. Realms has really done some other huge games because they did Tainted Grail. They yes. did Nemesis. You know, they did Lord of Hellas. Uh, they're actually the people who did this War of Mine and all that good <laughs> stuff, the board game version of it. So they have put out some pretty solid games, no doubt, which also is what makes me pretty excited about this, that they have done a, a very good job of managing their Kickstarters in the past uh, overall and that they seem to really put out a quality product. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely something I'm interested in. It's something that is uh, I'm going to keep an eye on, and I just am really very, very happy that their Kickstarter is very straightforward. There's a less expensive version and a more expensive version, and whatever is unlocked, you just get it. And there's not all these extra add-ons and extra stuff. There's a couple, but for the most part, it is, here's what you get for your money, get the fancy version or the less fancy version, and go. And that, I think, is very cool. Yeah, they are not epics, so... Oh no! That's too bad. They're from Poland. I don't. I mean. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> so I won't get to talk. I, I'll talk to. Oh, I don't. I won't talk to Sam because he'll tell me to get it because this is a game up his alley. But I'll talk to Tom uh, Vassal and see what he says. Because they played it on their twenty-four hour live stream. Yeah, they started it. They yeah. started the live stream with that game. They did indeed. Uh, and I think you know shipping from isn't too bad. I think shipping is like twenty bucks, uh, yeah. which for how much stuff is in that box. Uh, isn't too bad as long as that price stays true. So Yeah. Very cool. Okay, well, let's move on to something also uh, exciting, I think. <clears throat> so, the company behind uh, Sniper Elite and other games, uh, uh, I probably should have pulled up the other games they do, uh, which I can do right now. Uh, Rebellion, which for some reason I associate their logo with brink and i know that, that that's not true <laughs> uh, i could i could see why you would from the way it it looks though you know oh zombie army trilogy okay yeah and they also have zombie army uh four um but sniper elite um evil genius uh strange brigade which is a game that i really wish we played more of which i really yep. enjoyed um the famous Rogue Trooper Redux. <laughs> uh, Judge Dredd versus Death. Uh, Alien versus Predator Classic. So the company behind those games has decided to create their own gaming board gaming division called Rebellion Unplugged, which I think is really cool. Uh, the first title is going to be Sniper Elite, the board game. Uh, and they are... Um, Openly say, like saying, like, come see us at PAX Unplugged. We are going to be there. This is the first time we're going to be showing this off. And for a game studio called Renegade uh, Rebellion Unplugged, it's the perfect, like, revealing of their game. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited to check it out and talk to them. Um, make sure I talk us up about, like, this is, like, the bridge of our podcast. This is, it is. what we, this is our bread and butter. Um, so we'll see if I can get these guys uh, onto uh, the podcast in the future. But it's being designed by David Thompson and Roger Tankersley. Um, David Thompson is uh, one of the designers on Undaunted Normandy, um, which is uh, a very uh, new uh, but also well-received uh, board game from Osprey Games. Mm -hmm. uh, Osprey Games is very popular 
uh, with war, in wargamer circles. Yes. Um, so it's nice that there's a pedigree of board games also coming into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. I'm curious to see if, because it's going to be a competitive stealth action game for two to four players. So I'm curious if it's going to feel wargamey to me, which is not really in my interests. Right. Or if this will be a, a, a nice blend between the two to get that video game audience in. Right. What do you think about this? I think it's pretty exciting. I think that it's cool to see more video game developers because uh, uh, Riot with Mike's vs. Minions was really kind of the first to keep that internal. Hmm. Uh, and there's another one we're going to talk about here in a little bit that's kind of doing the same thing. That is nice to see these companies saying, you know what? We know how to design games. Granted, board games are different than video games. So maybe if we you know, connect ourselves with a few people who have some more expertise in those areas, but we know what production is like. We know how to schedule things out. We know how to do this stuff. Yes, obviously, it's pressing discs differently than different than you know getting boards printed and cards cut. Yeah, it definitely is. But I think it's cool for them to say, hey, we are looking for another creative outlet for our IPs, another way to express uh, and build the world of the things that we're doing. We want to do it in-house. Uh, I think that's really cool. I think this would be cool to see a bigger company like Microsoft or PlayStation go ahead and do something similar for their first parties rather than farming them out like they have been. But yeah, I'm excited about this. I know this is coming to Kickstarter, they said next year, but I don't think the ship date for the game is until 2021, I believe is what they said. So we'll have a bit of time until we actually get to play the Sniper Elite board game, but it sounds like we're going to be able to see it very, very soon. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I look forward to checking it out. Uh, next story is probably the bummer of the stories. Um, and it's not, well, it's not necessarily going, it's not necessarily a bummer. It is a bummer if you pre-ordered Metal Gear Solid, the board game, and expected to have it uh, already. Right. <laughs> so, uh, Metal Gear Solid uh, has been delayed and they are changing gears, uh, no pun intended, to backer kit. So what this is doing and and what I believe this is doing, it's giving them more time and money to uh, fix uh, some of the issues they were having with the board game, as well as implement new things to the board game. Uh, I don't have the... There was a like press release that came out where they were saying like Emerson did like a Q and A or someone did where like does this mean it's not going to have a two hundred page rule book and they're like no unfortunately it's not going to have it yeah so I've okay so um uh there's still sculpted minis mm-hmm. uh oh they said does it still come with a two thousand page dialogue book to read <laughs> quotes from the game as you play they say we wanted to we really did. Uh, it was vetoed, uh, but there's still a hundred pages of comic book art for the massive mm-hmm. campaign book. Um, Emerson's still on it. There's there's still a solo gameplay mode. Everything about the game still seems to be where people wanted it, and they're mm-hmm. still talking about how they're taking a lot of feedback from the people who played it at PAX Australia um, and Gen Gun, but. With uh, production issues, project delays, 
Um, and the amount of time it was going to take to implement all the changes they needed to make, uh, they knew they just had to find a different way to fulfill these games and to release it later. And I think, so my question to you is, it's it's not uncommon to delay a video game. Mm-mm. Does this get a pass because it's a video game board game? Well, I don't. I think <laughs> board games regularly miss marks too. Yes. You know, they in general board games get talked more about in quarters than they do in exact dates, just because with how shipping and customs and all that stuff works, that you don't know how long your games are potentially going to sit, you know, in customs, and, and if they do get inspected, and and how all of that works. So, it, this is a pretty big delay though because they were talking q4 this year now it's august 2020 right is that what the update is now yeah just summer 2020 yeah Yeah. so that is a a a bit more unusual usually games don't get announced in the board game realm until you you know if it's not a kickstarter and obviously with kickstarters you see a lot more delays but when it's the more traditional publishing model Usually the game isn't announced until it is on the boat or about to be on the boat uh, or in printing or something like that, where they are pretty certain about when this game is going to be out and what the process is like. There's not doesn't seem to be as much still, quote unquote, design work happening um, when these games usually get announced. So I think it might just be a, a, a situation where they were excited to announce it. They really wanted to capitalize on the interest of E3 and all these other things, um, you know, and yeah, I, I just think that's kind of more that than anything. Uh, I'm not really worried about the game or about the quality of the game. It, it might be a little bit different than we thought it was going to be, but I'm not worried. Plus, now you get some cardboard box minis, so that's pretty great. Only if you back the day one edition. That's true. You do have to back the day one edition. Yes. But that seems worthwhile to get some cardboard minis, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Cardboard box <laughs> minis. They're not cardboard, though. That's true. Sorry. <laughs> cardboard box minis. Correct. They're not cardboard... They're minis of cardboard boxes. If you get the regular version, it just comes with a cardboard box token, which is probably cardboard. So you're on the right track. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So the next news is in the Kickstarter area, uh, Monolith, who produced the Batman uh, game and Mm -hmm. many, many others, um, is having their next Kickstarter campaign fund at $700,000. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they go into their reason why um, an incident to Kickstarter on their Facebook page, if you want to check it out. But what I think is interesting is that they're... Why not do an Indiegogo or something? Why why put your funding so high? I know that like their games typically reach a million dollars or more, mm-hmm. but those are worth... Um, big IPs, so maybe this game isn't a big IP that's coming out. Uh, I just don't... For me, I don't get why put your your funding goal at $700,000. It's for Conan, I should say. Um, which seems like it would make it anyways. Um, but on, on the flip side, I, I guess I can't fault them for wanting to hit a specific funding goal. Mm-hmm. My question would be, when you put out a Kickstarter, so say you put out Conan for your goal is seventy five thousand mm-hmm. dollars, um, because you're 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 taking production costs into consideration on what it's going to cost you to make this game, right? And then you add bonuses for surpassing 
certain dollar amounts, but you still don't have to add these stretch goals. So am I to believe Monolith is creating a $700,000 Conan game? Yes. Because that seems crazy to me. Yes, so they they already have a Conan game. There is that Conan. Yes, Yes, that was them. This is Conan Beyond the Monolith uh, that they're going to be launching next year. And their big thing, and, and I think I actually appreciate this, is they're basically saying, look, when you see a board game Kickstarter, the, there's this onus now to say we funded in five minutes. Right. But we know, we being the publisher, know that that is not how much we need to make this game happen. We need all of these unlocks and all of these stretch goals. All of that is what we actually need in order to make the game happen. So this budget, this $700,000, is the actual number. This is what we need to make this game happen. There's no additional stretch goals. Everything you see is what you're going to get. They're trying to be as transparent as they can about the cost of publishing, about what you're going to get. And in essence, in some ways, they're trying to stop. They're trying to not play the game that Kickstarter has become of, oh, gosh, if you get more people to back, then you get this cool thing. No, that cool thing was going to be in the box either way. We're just going to tell you that. Here's everything you get are getting. Is it worth it? We ho- we think it's going to be. So this is what our, how much we need to make this happen. Which is kind of refreshing, really. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I wasn't even thinking of it that in that way. I mean, Indiegogo would have been terrible if that was the case. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I think that's smart. I, I just I don't. In my brain, when I back a Kickstarter and I look at stretch goals, I always look at them as something that that potentially uh, a regular Kickstarter campaign won't fulfill every every stretch goal. Right. Um, I know lots of them do now, but there's been plenty of times I've backed something that just didn't get to the highest stretch goal. Or these people who put like weird Twitter or Facebook stretch goals for sharing and stuff that never get met. Right. So I think it's interesting to put your funding goal this high. Um, but, right. Um, but I, I do get – I just can't wrap my brain around a $700,000 board game. And yeah. I know it's not one game, but obviously right, like right, right. the cost to make that game. Um, but, I mean, they're a very successful big-time miniature company. So, um, And someone pointed out the Batman's funding was set at $500,000. So right. it's not that crazy. I just didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, and I think something from their statement that makes sense to me is they, in their statement, they said, quote, awesome, funded in less than five minutes. While that feels great to say behind the curtain, the whole team is crossing their fingers and sweating blood, waiting for the games to finally reach, ideally before the end of the campaign, its true target. This artifice enables the launch of the stretch goal machine, convincing pledgers that these additional gifts are offered thanks to the decrease in unit production cost irrespective of the fact that the economy of scale effect only starts to become measurable when the Kickstarter reaches 10 or 20 times the stated funding level. Yeah, that's insane. (laughs) So yeah, I I think this is cool. I wish more people would do this. The number of stretch goals or things that have locked have never impacted my desire to back a Kickstarter. For me, it's purely, do I think whatever is shown to me like do i think the game is worth the money 
And the reason I always put the remind me later on is because then I will know truly everything I will be getting. If you just told me everything up front, I could make my decision day one. But I know you're not going to. So now I got to wait and see what's actually going to be in the box. But if you just tell me, I, I can tell you right away whether you're going to get my money or not. Yeah, that's a good point. Smart then. Okay, I'm on board now. <laughs> <laughs> Not good for them. I hope they. I, I'm sure they'll hit it, but it's nice to see a change in that Kickstarter philosophy. Cool. Okay, next story. It's kind of a quick one. If you check out um, Aaron Hirsch, E R A N H I R S C H on YouTube, you'll see that he has created. This uh, infograph of 20 years of Board Game Geek's most played games. This is volume two. It starts from April 30th, 2000, all the way to, I would imagine, well, let me look, August 30th, 2019. Uh, and really, and all this really is, is a, it's, a, it's a graph showing the amount of logged plays um, on Board Game Geek, who's playing what, what year and it's very interesting when you start watching it to see certain games take giant strides and then all of a sudden there's just like creeping little bar graph on the bottom working its way up and um, it's cool because they're all color coded by um, style of game Mm -hmm. which is interesting to see as well Um, so if you have a chance to check it out i would just say uh, this guy did a lot of work to do this and he only has 632 views. I mean, it did come out today. So right. those will go up. But uh, check it out. It's definitely very interesting to see uh, maybe where your favorite game is or to see the board game industry taking giant strides at certain times of the year uh, in certain years and like when certain games came out, how, mm-hmm. how impactful they were in the board game industry. Um. And if you've been playing board games during the time, you can definitely relate to some of the, the big spikes um, and jumps. Was there anything that that caught your attention the most, sir? I think for me, it was how strong Catan stayed for a long time. You know, considering the game even came out multiple years before this chart starts, uh, how long Catan stayed on the chart was surprising to me a little bit. Number two how much board game geek grew in that time because when you're starting the number of logged plays is very small compared to like what the end chart is how many logged plays there are for games it's pretty ridiculous and then i think you know when you look you can clearly see what the hotness is and sometimes how dominant or how big of a piece of the pie that game was taking from the in the board game world uh, from the perspective of, of plays and people talking about it and people wanting to know more about that game. Uh, and in some ways, it was interesting to see how much the Spiel des Jahres impacted that. Hmm. And in some ways, how much it didn't. Because there were some games that just didn't even blip as a result of it. And others that were winners uh, just blew up the chart. And it was a question of, well, which reason was it? Was it because the game was good or was it because of the recognition? So... Yeah, it's a really cool chart to watch. It is about 10 minutes long, and it takes three months out of each year, basically, and kind of animates the graph of what happens between those three months. Um, So you can kind of, or those four months, yeah, between the months that are selected, so the four months ranging that, it's animated to see the growth or the decrease in in certain games. Uh, And it it is. It's cool to watch and see how popular and how dominant 
um, some games were uh, for, in some ways, a, a considerable amount of time. Yeah, Carcassonne is still on the list by the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is very impressive. Cool. Last story. Uh, well, something else we've been talking about. We have a Divinity Original Sin board game in the works. Uh, so, Larian Studios, who uh, have done our RPG, the RPG, sorry, Divinity Original Sin, um, are bringing it to the board game world, uh, and it's on Kickstarter right now. It is. So I'm jumping into Kickstarter to see where we're at. Uh, we are sitting... <laughs> 18 days to go on a on a goal of $160,000 we are at $900,000 for this very unique looking board game. Yes. Uh, $120 pledge gets you the standard edition. 165 gets you the premium edition, premium edition. And then to get the extended edition it costs two hundred and twenty dollars. Yes, it does. Now, this is another heavily featured miniatures game. Uh, unique dice, over over eight hundred and forty cards in the game. Uh, it it looks, and those are base cards. There's a mm-hmm. lot more than just that. Uh, it looks. To me, it reminds me of like a Pathfinder adventure card game style game. Right. But it also reminds me of Divinity Original Sin. So uh, they're doing something right (laughs) as far as that goes. Uh, There's a huge encounter book, which is very cool. Reminds, it's like, it seems like a true blend of like RPG and board game. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a lot of different upgrades. It just seems. Very cool. It's described as a branching narrative adventure for up to four players, so kind of like Gloomhaven, maybe, um, or something along those lines. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on here, but what what was your thought when you saw this, and what are you thinking about the look? Are you going to back it? Where, where do you stand on this thing? So this is interesting because I, I couldn't remember if we had talked about this on the podcast. I know we had talked about it in the Discord but I couldn't remember if we had talked about it on here, so I couldn't decide whether I should include it or not. But I I think this is an interesting game because this is, you know, the idea of tabletop RPGs are kind of influenced, you know, the generation of computer RPGs, that those first original ones that we got. Divinity was kind of bringing those back because they had kind of fallen off for a while, you know, the CRPGs. And now in a board game, that is from the video game that is based off of the <laughs> old video games that was based off the tabletop RPG. So it's this really odd thing of we're like we're remaking ourselves almost. Yeah. Um, which is cool. That's fine. I don't see anything wrong with that. This game does look a little different, uh, how the board works. And if you haven't watched their Kickstarter video, I encourage it. I thought it was kind of humorous a little bit uh, about giving you a good idea of how the game might work. Uh, it is a little spendy. That's kind of, for me, a, 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 a hesitation. Like, when I think of would I get this or Great Wall, well, I can get in on Great Wall at half the price Yeah. if I want to get the Meeple version. Um, or if I even spend the money for the more the, the fancier version, uh, it, 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 it's tough because there is a lot of stuff in this box for sure. Um, 
but to get the super fancy version, you know, of getting all the minis and all this other stuff, uh, it, it's going to become pretty expensive pretty quick. So I think it's cool. I'm glad that they are working on this mostly in-house. They have partnered uh, with some board game designers, but this is it does have the Larian Studios um, seal on it, if you would, that they are definitely involved with this in-house as well. So I think it's cool. I hope they continue to do these things. Uh, I, like I said before, I hope more companies um, work on bringing their video games to the board game world and they they continue to do that a little more in-house than what we've seen in the past but yeah i think it's cool i think it is pretty unique uh and i hope it's successful obviously it's made nine hundred thousand dollars already yeah uh, but yeah I, I don't know that i'm gonna be backing it but i do look forward to hearing what people have to say about it i do like that one of the add-ons is a broken token insert yes that's like that's pretty smart of them to to partner with broken token right away because I'm sure they're getting some some uh, something in the back end from including them. Oh, it, it yeah, it's a good idea. It was interesting because not to go off on too big of a tangent, but I was reading the other day about people who they said that their best board game accessory they had purchased was a 3D printer to 3D print their cu- their own custom inserts. Yeah, and then there's a website you can go to that has all the plans for all these custom inserts for games. And then suddenly, I really wanted to buy a 3D printer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, that's all the board gaming news, my friend. Awesome. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about some video game news, and then we're going to talk about a pretty big video game topic. Anyway, uh, first piece of news or thing to think about, Facebook has acquired Beat Games, who are the developers of Beat Saber. Obviously, Facebook definitely involved in VR as the owners of Oculus and Oculus Quest, by most people's standards, the best place to play Beat Saber, especially with, I think, launching this month is their 360 degree version of Beat Saber that'll be playable on Quest. Uh, Josh, Facebook, buying Beat Games. I know you're not super into the VR world. What are your thoughts on this acquisition? Well... I think I can say in a general statement, whenever Facebook buys something, it's bad news. Mm-hmm. So bad news. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm still not in the VR space yet. I would love to be it's just not in the cards right now. Um, this is just one of those things you have to kind of hope they, they they don't change anything about the development and they let it run how it runs. But uh, I think there was a lot happened with the Oculus, so I don't think people are too hopeful uh, with this. Uh, to me, it's like equivalent, uh, the equivalent of um, New Belgium selling to Big Beer. So it's mm. it's very similar uh, in style to that. Gotcha. My in the story on Game Informer. They talk about quote despite beat beat games now being under the same corporate umbe- umbrella. Oculus says the studio will continue to develop for all platforms simultaneously. Oculus says that this acquisition will give Beat Games additional resources to accelerate new features and songs going forward with the next update, which will add 360 degree levels, still scheduled for December. All of that sounds good, right? That all sounds great. It's immediately followed by, quote, however, <laughs> Oculus does say that while it's hoping to preserve the vibrant modding scene for Beat Saber, Players may notice some changes related to third-party IP rights likely pertaining to custom songs, end quote. Yeah. 
So the big thing that folks like Donnie you hear talk about all the time about how you wish there was more licensed songs and that how, you know, the PC version of Beat Saber is better because people have just taken their favorite songs and created Beat Saber tracks for them. Uh, sounds like that might not be a thing anymore soon. So yeah. if they can get more songs and I think known music out as a result of this, I think that will be good. I don't necessarily have a problem supporting the developers of this game because I think the game is great. Uh, but yeah, I think this could potentially have a, a negative, if you want to look at it that way, impact uh, on those games that we're seeing right now that are on PC that are not on PSVR. So I don't really care, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sure people like Lucas would care a whole bunch. So anything else you want to say about that one? No, I just hope it works out for the gamer's favor. I agree, because we know Facebook only does good things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, staying with some VR news, Josh, we are getting a new Half-Life game. Are you excited? No. Why not, Josh? <laughs> it's a new Half-Life. We've all wanted a new Half-Life game. We should be excited, right? At this point, even if it was Half-Life 3, I probably wouldn't be excited. Okay, that's probably fair, actually. At this right? Point. Like, who cares at this point? <laughs> Get a new IP out there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Valve has announced Half-Life Alex, uh, which is going to be a VR project uh, scheduled to release in March 2020. Uh, I am not a huge Half-Life person. I don't know much about Half-Life lore. I listened to some things that talked to talked about when this game is set and all these other things, it's none of it made any sense to me. But in watching the trailer, which I watched a couple times, I have to say, this game looks pretty cool. Yes, I, I would agree with that. It does look it does look very cool. So hopefully, do you think this? Or I shouldn't say hopefully, but do you think this could be that long waited for quote unquote killer app that VR has needed to prove that it's relevant? I um. I don't know. Like, I'm so out of it. Like, I already thought we had that. See, I kind of did too on PSVR, but maybe that's just me. Right. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I know there are a couple games that we'll talk about later when we talk about our topic of the show that I think are pretty stellar on PC VR that I kind of thought we, we had that, but maybe we don't have something that's ubiquitous with non-VR players and that's what we need. I don't know. I think we're always going to be living in this world where you either... I mean, you have VR or you don't, and I think the majority of the people will not have VR, at least currently. Uh, so I don't know that we'll ever have this like acceptance of what is a killer app for VR when people aren't experiencing it. Um, when your VR still costs more than as much as or more than a gaming console, uh, that sometimes right. you have to have one already to use the VR, like the PSVR. Right, right, so, right. I just don't think once we get, I think once we get to the point where you're you're spending 150 bucks or 100 bucks on a VR kit that you can play, you'll have more. I mean, you'll definitely have more face on v, in the VR sense to know what's moving the sales for that unit. Right. But I don't know that for a PC, maybe people are going to run out to get Half Life in VR. But I don't think you're going to see that in the PSVR world. Mm-hmm. But it's coming. It's exclusive to PC, anyways, right? Uh, to Steam. Yes. Well, yeah. it's it's going to be available on all PC VR headsets, I believe. So okay, it's so not. 
It's not just the Valve Index. Like, you'll be able to play it on Oculus and stuff. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm very interested to see to see how this game does. Uh, it was, there was an interview where someone had asked about, uh, and I, I apologize, I can't quote it, because I've heard this, like, from four other sources now, so I just don't remember the way that it, who originally had this. Maybe it was a Jeff Keighley thing. But they asked the question of, will this ever come to, quote-unquote, flat? screens like will there ever be a version of this that's not playable or a version that's playable not in vr and their answer basically was you know right now with how the game is designed it would take us half the keyboard to to work with (laughs) how you would open a door because in vr you can just crack it a little bit you can push it open really fast you can do it halfway there's all you can do anything and anything in between yeah you know so with how we've designed this game and how you interact even just with something like a door we don't know how you would make that work necessarily right now on a non VR platform. So I think it would be interested uh, or interesting to see, you know, does this stay VR forever? Do, do they decide they need to change this in some way to make it accessible to more people or what are they going to do with it? But I, I hope that maybe this, you know, kind of shows people the light uh, quick question related to valve. Uh, remember when they popped Campo Santo a year ago or so, or a year and a half ago? Yeah. Did we have we heard anything from them? Is in the Valley of the Gods still a thing? Like I know they said they were going to finish it, but we haven't heard a lick since then, have we? Yeah, I haven't heard any news from them at all, which is weird. Now that you bring yeah. it up, so I'm just wondering how many of them maybe got pulled onto this project. I I I wonder if in the Valley of the Gods is still happening. I know they said when they were purchased it was still going to, but I don't think we've heard anything about that since they were purchased at yeah, all. That so. is bizarre. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right, Josh. You know, on this podcast, we like to stay on the cutting edge. We talk about all the news other people aren't talking about. Uh, well, this is not going to be one of those things. Uh, so the PS5 dev kit, it's out hmm. there. Least, Shocker. I know. <laughs> and what is probably the, about the least surprising news, uh, PS5 dev kits, which we already knew they looked the way that those initial renders had said because in the Wired article when they're talking about the PS5, they talked about how there was a PS5 dev kit there and it looked like what the renders had said, they just weren't allowed to take pictures of it or anything. Yeah. So now there are pictures of the PS5 dev kit in the wild from developers and what looks to be uh, pictures of the DualShock 5 as well. So next gen, we're just fully into it now, right? Like we can just forget about this gen. Nothing else worthwhile coming out now. We can just focus on holiday 2020 and all the goodness next gen is going to bring us, right? Sure. I mean... Every every dev kit looks exactly the same when it gets released as it does when people get it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly yeah. All of them look just oh, like they all look the same. Yeah, this is news that isn't news. The controller probably is just a, a modified PS4 controller. Uh, the dev kit is the dev kit. It's a true dev kit. <laughs> it's right. It's. It, it, I could see it looking similar to how it looks because of their venting technology. And PlayStation isn't afraid to make a weird, ugly console, right? Uh, which is fine. That's that's their thing. And Microsoft isn't afraid to make a VCR. Like <laughs> that's what these two companies do. So it wouldn't really surprise me if the console looked the same. Obviously, that digital screen I don't think will be on it. Um, but there's no reason to even think that this is what the console is going to look like. <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's interesting because I know it was said somewhere that the reason the console looks the way it does or the dev kit looks the way it does is so that developers can stack multiple of them on top of one another 
to run stress tests without sure. having to spread them out. So that's the reason they look like they do. So they still get enough venting, which yeah. makes sense. Like that makes total sense. You're like, wow, this thing looks like a dumb V. But when you tell me that, oh, well, that makes sense then. Yes. So. And yeah, I don't know what the big deal about the DualShock 5 controller is. It doesn't look any different than the PS to DualShock 4 in my mind from the picture, except for the little nubbin on the analog stick. Or a reverse nubbin, because it doesn't stick out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, they really have said the only big difference that they talked about was that the triggers were going to be a bit bigger because the light bar is not there anymore. Right. So, so who knows? Yeah. Uh, but cool. <laughs> News. <laughs> News. We get to the end of the year. You know, we got to we gotta pick. We got to go deep sometimes. Uh, okay. In what might be happier news, Josh, uh-huh. Resident Evil 2 remake. You like Resident Evil 2 remake, right? Yeah. Do you want a Resident Evil 3 remake? Why not? Why not just keep delaying Resident Evil 8? <laughs> <laughs> well, since you your your lucro response to that, uh, <laughs> it looks like you might be getting a Resident Evil 3 remake. After all, even though this isn't too surprising as Capcom has kind of hinted that this is happening, but uh, YouTuber Spawnwave then also confirmed by Eurogamer has said that there is a Resident Evil 3 remake, a la, or in the similar vein, to what we got with Resident Evil 2 remake, uh, and is scheduled for project... project. It is scheduled <laughs> for 2020, but they haven't talked about it yet because they're trying to give uh, more spotlight to Project Resistance as well, which apparently also should be coming out in 2020, is what they're saying. So... Of all of that, we have Project Resistance, which is that, you know, the 4v1 yeah. game set in the in the universe of Resident Evil. You have Resident Evil 3 Remake mm. and the hypothetical of Resident Evil 8. Right. Of those three projects, what would you be most excited about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I'm interested to see Project Resistance, although I really have a bad feeling about it. Um, right. At least it's different for Resident Evil. Um, but I mean, the potential of Resident Evil 8, I think is more exciting to me than remaking a game I've already played. Um, but seeing how well they did Resident Evil 2, like I can, I mean, it comes in a close second. I think Resident Evil 8 would be, is more exciting to me. Okay. But I I mean, you can't, you have to make Resident Evil 3, right? It's like, yeah, it's like Marvel puts out a, like... Guardians of the Galaxy, they don't expect it to do great. It crushes. They, you you have to do a sequel. So, like, the, Capcom's like, Resident Evil 2 Remake made more money than a Resident Evil game we've made in the past eight years. I'm just guessing. Right. Uh, we have to do a third. We have to remake three. Well, they're yeah. like, yeah, of course we do. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I'm cool. I'm excited about a Resident Evil 3 Remake. Resident Evil 2 Remake is still on my short list to hopefully get done this year still. Uh, which would involve also starting it still. But uh, I I am hoping to get that taken care of, and I would be excited about playing 3 because, and maybe it's because I was the oldest of when I played 1, 2, and 3. I remember 3 the most from when I played it. So uh, there were some cool ideas there, and maybe not all of them executed perfectly, but I'd be very interested to see what they could do with that now, you know, if they were to take a new effort at that. So uh, speaking of games that maybe... Could use a reboot? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. So Gearbox has announced that they're 
hero shooter, if you even want to call it that, which maybe isn't the best term to call it, uh, Battleborn is going offline forever in January of 2021. Uh, you, I don't think you can even buy the game anymore. I think it has been pulled that you can't purchase the game anymore um, and that you won't be able to make any in-game purchases after February of 2020. And then January 2021, the game will be pulled offline for good. This is being reported kind of everywhere, but I'm reading from the Eurogamer story. Josh, I mean, I don't think this comes necessarily as a big surprise, but my question is, did this take longer than you thought it would take? <laughs> uh, I'm surprised they're telling you 2021, like they're giving it a lot of time to dedicate servers to. Or server, probably, at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate this is a good This is a good game. It still is a good game. Uh, it just never found its audience. It came out in a, uh, against Overwatch, which was a bad move for them. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's too bad to see it go, but they're, le- they're really letting it die a slow death. They are. <laughs> which... It seems to be the way with Gearbox, I guess, and their IPs. So I guess more power to them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because uh, in the Eurogamer article, they uh, link to an article from August of 2016 when yeah. they, you know, 2K admits that yeah, the game did not meet expectations. It launched below sales targets. And that they had op- their operating expenses were up in their previous quarter by twenty eight point eight million dollars, due primarily quote due to primarily to higher marketing expense for the launches of Battleborn <laughs> and our upcoming lineup. So basically, they pumped another twenty five plus million dollars into the marketing for Battleborn because they knew. Whether the whether the comparisons are just or not, they knew Overwatch was coming out, you know, three weeks later. So they spent another twenty five million dollars on marketing, and still didn't meet their mark. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you you played some Battleborn though? Didn't you? You were a big Battleborn fan. Kevin and I, Kevin Austin and I played it a bunch, and it's a good game. Unfortunately, just yeah, people just didn't play it. Yeah, which is it, a bummer. It is a game I never really played, and mo- and it's interesting too, though, because I didn't have really any interest at Overwatch at launch either. Sure, uh, I bought Lo- Overwatch probably a month after it came out, and I had to go to like four different stores to find it because everyone was sold out of it. Um, so yeah, I didn't contribute to their demise, but I also wasn't <laughs> right away on day one on Overwatch either. So yeah, um, so sorry. Get your last games into Battleborn. Uh, and enjoy your your next year or so that you have Battleborn fans. Uh, I hope you have fun. Again, though, this is the interesting thing of the game will no longer be playable at all. Right. Ever. And even if you own a physical copy, you still ain't going to be playing any Battleborn. Yep. So, rip Battleborn. All right. And final video game news story of the week. Rumors abound, also this from Eurogamer, that we are potentially getting... Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 remakes and maybe just maybe a new game in general in the series. Josh, are you or would you be excited 
for remakes of Tony Hawk 1 and 2. So I'm sorry, are they re remaking Tony Hawk 1? Because they already remade Tony Hawk 1. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be more of a, I don't, and again, obviously a different company, but more of yeah. a Resident Evil 2 upgrade sure. rather than the, hey, here's Resident Tony Hawk 1 again, basically is what it was before. Yeah, I have, uh, based off of the remake of Tony Hawk, I have zero interest in anything they do ever with this license ever again. Uh, they need to find a new skater. They need to get a new, like, they need to compete with skate. Skate's going to be coming back, and they need to be competitive with that. And Is it coming back, though? Well, is skate really coming back? It probably has a better chance than a new Tony Hawk. Well, there were those reports that EA had relinquished the, yeah, the name, rights, but yeah. that was like not true, right? They actually. It sounds no. They said it's very much they still own it. Yeah, and that they had plans for the IP. Um, I don't have, I don't have trust in in the Tony Hawk brand right now. So they could ter- they could totally come back and and um, change my mind. But right now, uh, I have I don't have an interest in playing this game there's even a kickstarter like bird skate on like where you're literally birds on skateboards yep. that is more interesting to me than a new tony <laughs> <Hawk game. laughs> yeah it, yeah it's interesting because there is some uncertainty as to whether the remakes of what these games are and this has been you know a, a few places are reporting this there's a uh sabi on Twitter, who's pretty well known for for giving some information out, has been talking about it, as well as others, that, yes, these remakes, if you would, or re-engineerings, or whatever you want to call them, of Tony Hawk 1 and 2, do exist, and they they are making the rounds, but no one really knows if it's for remaking those games, or as the basis for making a new Tony Hawk. Uh, I love the original Tony Hawk games, I thought they were so much fun. Yeah. And, you know, if they were going to remake those originals, I probably would be a sucker and jump in and play them. But I don't know if I would be totally interested in a new version of a Tony Hawk game. Because obviously 5 didn't cut the mustard, and I don't know if I necessarily want another one like that Right. again. So we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, who knows? It could be nothing as well. Um We'll have to wait and see. So with that, uh, we're not going to talk at all about Phil and VR or Stadia uh, launch and how that all went because many of the podcasts on the PSVG network have talked about those things. So if you want to check that out, feel free to check out any of those shows in the network and you'll definitely get your fill of that information. So uh, with, what's the, why was that a laugh? Get your fill. Phil. Oh, yeah, that is good. I didn't, even, I didn't even do that on purpose. <laughs> oh, man, my, my best ones are when I, when I don't even try. <laughs> Which is probably a sad statement on my life, but anyway. <laughs> so we are going to move on. We did mention a few weeks ago that the nominations for the Game Awards were out. And as tradition dictates, anytime there's a larger award show, whether it be board games or video games, us fine folk here at Board with Video Games like to go through all the nominees, kind of take a look at them, say what our votes would be, kind of guess where we think things are going to end up at, just to, you know, see if we have our pulse on the public and or the press when it comes to games. And I think the answer unequivocally is no, we don't, <laughs> but we're sure going to try again. Um, so we are going to cover and talk about the game award nominees. We will skip a few categories, uh, especially probably the esports stuff, just because I'm just going to vote for overwatch stuff. Cause I don't know what else to vote for. And I know Josh isn't super into esports. 
<laughs> well, yeah, me and the rest of the world, Kyle. <laughs> so we will probably skip those, but otherwise we're just going to go through, have a little discussion about Jeff's award show. The Keeleys 2019, here we go. Uh, we are, if you go to the Game Awards website um, and go to the nominees section, which is just thegameawards.com slash nominees, uh, we're just starting from the bottom and working our way to the top. So at the very bottom of the page, which maybe this is... <laughs> meant to be this way who knows uh maybe it's a sign of something else <laughs> is best vr ar uh, game uh and the nominees are asgard's wrath blood and truth beat saber no man's sky and trover saves the universe so josh when hearing those uh anything stick out to you either from who you expect to win or just in general about the quality of vr ar games on the list yeah, so uh, I'm, I think I was aware of every game except for Asgard's Wrath. Which apparently is super good. I mean, cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think for someone who has literally has zero experience in VR, right. I feel like v- Beat Saber is going to take it, but mm-hmm. I mean, what, man, what I ever love to try no man's sky and trover saves the universe in vr like those two games i know i'll probably like blood and truth also but um justin Ryland i think is hilarious and i would love to get the full no man's sky treatment so i would love to check those out as well do you think it's okay that no man's sky is nominated since the vr mode just came out this year even though the game came out in 2017 i think there's a lot of weird things with years of games and <laughs> yes, nominations um i think it's okay because it's standalone vr i think is what this is getting nominated for i think if right if we went back up top to no man's sky um and i believe didn't no man's sky next come out on xbox for the first time this year oh that very well could be that's true i think that or was that be 20- a, it might have been last year too i don't i don't really remember, remember. Anymore. <laughs> um because I had No Man's Sky in 2017 on my PlayStation, and I still have it. <laughs> or was it 2016 that No Man's Sky came out? No, it was 2017, right? It was 17, I hope. Okay. Man, <laughs> I am so old. See, now I have to look while I do this. So, you're saying Beat Saber. Why Why Beat Saber? Just because of the popularity? Yeah, the popularity. I've heard... Uh, I've seen so many people like doing videos of it on YouTube, and people talking about it constantly. That um, It just really seems like it's running away with the, at least the popular vote. It was totally 2016. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We're so old, Josh. That's embarrassing for that game. More than oh. me not remembering the year. <laughs> yeah, because it came out last year on, in 2018 on Xbox, didn't it? And then was it might, it? Yeah, it must have been. And then it was this year that it got the VR update in the summer. So it's lived a whole year on the Xbox. It's, yeah. It feels like it just came out this year. Maybe I'm wrong. Yikes. Anyway. No, I'm sure I, you're right, actually, now that you say it. <laughs> Um, I do think Beat Saber is going to win this because I think Beat Saber is the VR game that, in general, I think the mainstream, quote-unquote mainstream uh, gaming press is overall very skeptical and hard on VR, other yeah. than Beat Saber. I think if you listen, look at or listen to any of the mainstream folks, they're, they don't tend to be believers in VR other than Beat Saber. So I think as a result of that, Beat Saber is the game most of them have played, so it is the game that is going to win, I think. Yeah, I hear you on that. So, all right. So that's it. I think we both are thinking Beat Saber is what we're picking and also what we think is going to win. Yes? I agree with you. Awesome. Moving on. Strategy <laughs> game. 
Yes. All right. The nominees. Age of Wonders Planetfall, which I feel like is a made-up game title. Um, Anno 1800. Fire you think Emblem. that's not made up? <laughs> Fire Emblem Three Houses. Total War Three Kingdoms. Tropico 6. And Wargroove. And I apologize. I shouldn't make fun of Age of Wonders Planetfall. It might be... It's clearly... Must be a decent game because it's nominated. Uh, I'm just not a strategy game fan, so I really don't have much of a dog in this race or a horse in this race. Hmm. Uh, Josh, what are your thoughts on strategy game? Um, I've heard great things for two of these games, Wargroove and Age of Wonders Planetfall. So um, to stick with my brand, I'm going to go against Wargroove and pick Age of Wonders as I think because of the Nintendo uh, version of it, people will think I can't pick it. So. Uh, I'm oh. gonna say <laughs> Age of Wonders: Planetfall, uh, just based on what I've heard um, about the game, and it's it's apparently very good. Uh, although Wargroove has definitely been a game I've been told by multiple people I need to play, mm-hmm. uh, so I think it could go to either of those. Really, I feel like, and again, not that I played any of these games, I feel like Fire Emblem Three Houses is gonna win, just because of the number of people who felt that should have been nominated for Game of the Year, and it got yeah. snubbed. Spoilers ahead. Uh, I think as a result of that, Fire Emblem Three Houses is going to win. But maybe, you know, this tends to be a more PC-focused category. Uh, you know, maybe the PC folks are the ones who are really going to push something like Age of Wonders. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just really feel like Fire Emblem um, is a game that a lot of people really seem to love. I think on a lot of websites and a lot of, you know, others, folks, is, is going to end up on their best of year list so that's why i feel like it, it might take strategy as well nice all right moving on sports slash racing game first off are you okay with the fact that they combine these two it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people but i i could see it being its own categories as well especially with some of the other categories they have in this yeah i agree but nominees for best sports racing game are crash team racing nitro fueled Dirt Rally 2.0, Pro Evolution Soccer 2020, F1 2019, and FIFA 20. To start with, Josh, have you played any of these games? Um, I did once play Crash Team Racing. Okay, that's good. Like the, the 10 years one? ago. Okay, I was like, <laughs> the current one? No. Uh, that's like me saying I did play FIFA, and it was, I think, FIFA 2006, yeah, yeah. maybe? Um, yeah. I do think it's interesting that, you know, Codemasters has two games in here, both F1 mm. uh, and Dirt Rally. So they have their own games against each other because obviously Codemasters is the prolific developer of racing games. Yeah. Uh, who do you think is going to take this? So I, I, I kind of feel like it's going to be between FIFA and Pro Evolution, but I, I feel like FIFA is probably going to win. I vote for Wreckfest. That, that's not an option, Josh. Oh. There's no write-in votes? There is no write-in votes. Uh, FIFA 20 will win, uh, I I feel like. I feel like they've won every year. I think FIFA wins every year. But I could be misremembering, which I was told is not a word. But I'm making it a word. I think it counts. I know everyone knows what you mean when you say that. Good. So, yeah, I feel like FIFA's going to win probably from my non-knowledgeable perspective. I really need to play more sports games. I think that's what I realized. Uh, or racing games, because then I'd have played three of the five in this category. <laughs> All right. So now on to some of the fun stuff. Score and music. Ooh. This is a category I'm excited to talk about. Uh, the nominees are Cadence of Hyrule, Death Stranding, 
Devil May Cry 5, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Sayonara Wild Hearts. Josh, your thoughts on score and music. I think the score and music is very good in Sayonara Wild Hearts, but I think it feels better than it really is because it drives the gameplay. If -hmm. you listened to it on its own, I don't know that it would be as strong as like a Death Stranding score. Um, The Devil May Cry is like... 2000s josh would love the heavy metal riffs and (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry lucas um uh, i i don't know i really enjoy the score and music of death stranding i really truly do um i know that there'll be plenty of room to make jokes about death stranding in the future Mm -hmm. of this episode but i really do feel like this is one that it, it could easily take yeah this is interesting because there is obviously an audio design category as well, which is different than this. And there were some really great scores I thought this year slash music. I thought this year that isn't represented here, but I also don't know that any of these are bad, you know, like, I don't don't think any of them are bad. I agree with that. So I agree. You know, I, I have limited amounts of experience with each of these games other than cadence of Hyrule, which I've, I have heard music from, and I, I have listened to a part of the score, but I also think that, Sometimes scores, especially with games, you know, where they are in the game and what they mean in the game, sometimes I think can impact how meaningful a piece of music is. I would agree, though. I really do enjoy the score of Death Stranding. Uh, I think it's very good. I think it works very well in the context of the game. Uh, yeah, Devil May Cry 5 is good. Kingdom Hearts 3 is actually really well, excellent as well. I've heard a lot of it while my wife has played that game. Um, and Sayonara Wild Hearts, you know, stylistically not a, a music genre I am super into. But is very, I think, fits the game really, really well. Like I think they're they're it is put together uh, exceptionally. But for me, um, yeah, and I think we'll make some jokes about Death Stranding as we go here. Uh, I do think that this is one of the categories that it should be nominated for, um, and I probably would vote for it. So nice. double, we agree. Death Stranding game of the year, right? No, okay, that's just I'm getting a I'm getting a glare on the screen. Okay, moving on. Role playing game. Uh role playing game, the nominees are Disco Elysium, Final Fantasy XIV, Kingdom Hearts Three, Monster Hunter World, Iceborne, and the Outer Worlds. Josh, I feel like I know where you're gonna go, but what are your thoughts on the role playing game? Yeah, I mean my my vote would be for Outer Worlds, no question, but I'm hearing some crazy buzz on disco elysium that it sounds like it could win this category um it's just a game i won't have time to play uh, for the rest of this year at least um and i still haven't played kingdom hearts 3 i mean it's still on my playstation i want to play it but uh, outer worlds is a fantastic game and it's one of those games that it's so good it doesn't make me feel like i'm playing a fallout game even though i kind of am <laughs> right uh, I, I think it's kind of interesting, and I, I guess I get it, why Final Fantasy XIV, which it's the newest expansion, Shadow something, or am I thinking of Destiny now? Anyway, whatever the newest expansion for Final Fantasy XIV is. Uh, and Monster Hunter World Iceborne is, is really just an expansion. Yeah, it is. So I feel like there had to be other RPGs released this year, right? Like, are we you cool would just, hope so. <laughs> are we cool <laughs> just having expansions as our nominees? But again, I... 
I like you said, I hear really good things about Disco Elysium, and I also think The Outer Worlds is a game that uh, a lot of people love. I would also vote The Outer Worlds. I'm not as far into that game as I would like to be, and similar to you, I've not had an opportunity to play Disco Elysium. It is definitely the late end of the year darling because it's even later in the year than than uh, The Outer Worlds, and I think I don't think it would sway the vote because of that because I still think not enough people are going to have played it when they vote. So I think as a result of that, The Outer Worlds is going to take this category as well. So that is role-playing game. Uh, moving on to performance. Uh, this is a, an interesting group of folks here. Mm. Uh, all very talented. So Ashley Birch as Pavardi in The Outer Worlds. Courtney Hope as Jesse Faden in Control. Laura Bailey as Cat in Gears 5. Mads Mikkelsen as Cliff in Death Stranding. Matthew Peretta as Dr. Casper Darling in Control, and Norman Reedus as Sam Porter Bridges in Death Stranding. So, really talented group of actors right there. Josh, what are you thinking? How are you leading best performance? I like all of these people. I do, too. Um, And I have experienced all of them in game, uh, in gameplay, so I can say... From that aspect as well, yeah. I really, I really like Laura Bailey as a voice actress. I agree. Um, um, but I have to, I have to pick Courtney Hope, right? Like, <laughs> I have to pick her. Okay. Because, like, there's so much you can go through control and not explore the dialogue options. It's very easy to not do that. Right. You can continue to talk to people. Yep. Um. There's just so much more in that game, and I really just enjoyed her performance um, that much. So I, I would pick Courtney Hope for sure. It is interesting that on this list, I think like the least good performance is Norman Reedus. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree. You with know, that. I and not that I think he did a bad job in Death Stranding. I just think of this group, he he is the least good of any of them. My heart, who I want to vote for is Matthew Peretta because I think (laughs) because I think Casper Darling is one of the best characters in a game in a really long time in control. I think he's great. Um, I don't think he is going to win, though, just because he's not a main character, Hmm. you know, and I think that obviously Mads Mikkelsen as Cliff isn't either. But, you know, for better or for worse, it's Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. So I think that carries a little bit of weight there. Um, whereas basically all these other people, obviously, you know, Pavardi isn't quote unquote the main character either, but they're the character you actually spend the most time talking to. So outside of, you know, whereas like, you know, Jesse in control yeah. is you, but talking a lot and things. So yeah, man, I really do want to vote for Matthew Peretta. This is a, I genuinely don't know who's going to win. I think Ashley Birch is going to win. Yeah. I think, but I really don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She has the pedigree. She wins a lot, so it could definitely be her. Yeah, and I just feel like the Outer Worlds really is, I think, kind of that darling. I would love for Courtney Hope to win, though, either as well. Like, I'd be totally down with that for sure. All right, best ongoing game nominees. Apex Legends, which is interesting because it just came out this year, but that's cool. Uh, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy fourteen, Fortnite, or Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. 
Josh, where are you leaning? What you thinking? What's your heart telling you? Didn't Apex Legends come out last year, Kyle? No, it was this. It was February 2019. Was it February? Okay. Why was that thing? Because it, was it came. It came out like a week before Anthem. Right, right, right. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. I thought it yeah. came out in November for some reason. No, it came out like the week before Anthem, and everyone's like, "Oh gosh, oh. Anthem must be really bad." Well, you know what? I was going to pick Apex Legends, but since you mentioned that, I don't think that I could vote for it. Um, so I'd say Destiny 2. Yeah, I think Destiny 2. Fortnite? Boo! Well, I'm not a Fortnite fan, but I also feel like, <laughs> especially with going to Fortnite 2 or Chapter 2 or whatever they're doing now, I feel yeah. like a lot of players did not like the, the things that happened with that, from what I've read and heard. Now, that could be, again, the vocal minority raising a stink. But that's kind of what I've heard. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege, I just don't know enough about. I know, obviously, they keep supporting it and adding to it. And the people yep. who play it absolutely adore it. And it's growing. I just don't know enough about it. So I think just, you know, and maybe it's our Discord blinding me. <laughs> but I think I would have to go with Destiny 2. It seems like they have continued to do a lot to make that game. Um, and I think accessible and and providing new content and deep content for the people who want to play it. And I think by having now the free to play option with it and all of that good stuff and getting a ton of content for no cost, uh, I, I think it really has shown a, a, a huge commitment um, to maintaining and, and growing that, that player base, which I think is very cool. Yeah. Do you think there's a, an argument to be made or do, do you feel like the, you know, the folks who vote on this are going to go a different direction? Do you think that the gaming press would say something different? I mean, the popular vote, it's going to come down to Apex or Fortnite just because of popularity, right. I think. Uh, it, it, yeah, that's what will be voted on. Title, not necessarily um, what the award is for. <laughs> right. No, I hear you there. All right. Uh, next on the list is Narrative. Uh, nominees for Narrative, A Plague Tale, Innocence, Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, and The Outer Worlds. What say you, Josh? Well, spoiler, I'm going to vote control in every category I can. <laughs> um, so, uh, although Plague Tale Innocence has a great narrative, um, mm -hmm. that would be a close a close second for me. But yeah, I'm going control. I agree. Uh, I, control, obviously, I mean, when it comes to next week and we do our games of the year, I, I feel like control might be very high on both of our lists. Yeah. Uh, but a Plague Tale Innocence was very good. I enjoyed my the, my time with that game quite a bit. Uh, I'm not quite as in love with the Outer Worlds as other people. Um, so for me, yeah, I think control takes the cake there as well. Do you think that is what will win or what do you think or predict <laughs> will win? Well, what do I think is going to win every award? That's trending. Yeah. <laughs> do you really think it's going to? You know, man, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens. It wouldn't surprise me. Especially if he's so pulling divisive. strings to get them there. Like, he come says to he the hasn't. award show. You're going to get you're going to get an award. Like, I mean, it'll probably win at least one. It's not in like 11 categories. I know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. I have no scope of where control sits in other people's um, like view on right. gaming this year. Yeah. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if control didn't win anything because I just don't know if people have been playing it. Right. Yeah. I know but we they love should it. be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Dottie loves it. Thank God. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, next category: multiplayer game nominees: Apex Legends, Borderlands Three, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, Tetris Ninety Nine, and Tom Clancy's The Division Two. Holy goodness! I forgot that game was this year. 
Yeah. Uh, what say you, Josh? I mean, I vote for Apex Legends, but that's because that's my favorite experience out of those games. Um, I probably see Call of Duty winning, but I, I would vote for Apex. I also would vote for Apex because I have not played Borderlands 3 multiplayer. Um, and I have played Call of Duty multiplayer, but I think it's just, I, for better or for worse, it's it, it's not different enough, I guess. It, I, I don't know if it's fair to be like, oh, it's just Call of Duty again, but it's just Call of Duty again. Uh, yeah. Whereas I think Apex is something fresh, it's something different. Yes, it is a battle royale, but how they do it is definitely different. The squads was different, the respawn was different. Like They really changed up that genre, and now you're seeing it everywhere thanks to them so um i think yeah i would agree with apex legend um but I, like you said i wouldn't be surprised for call of duty to win that i think it'd be kind of cool if tetris 99 did win um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i'm not anticipating that it would be cool though it would be cool all right best mobile game call of duty mobile grindstone sayonara wild Hearts, sky children of light and what the golf josh do you have any preference have you played any or all of these no, I voted for Grindstone just because of how much you talked about it, but I have no um, no experience with those games mobile. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to come down to Grindstone or What the Golf. I think What the Golf might edge people out because that's what I hear more industry people talking about. Um, but I do love Grindstone, and that's definitely what I would vote for. All right, best independent game. Uh, Baba is You, Disco Elysium, Katana Zero, Outer Wilds, uh, not Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds, and Untitled Goose Game. Where does your heart lie? Nowhere. I don't... Uh, <laughs> uh, I've heard good things about Katana Zero. I've heard good things about Disco Elysium. I've heard good things about Untitled Goose Game. I don't like Outer Wilds. I think you're like the only person who doesn't. That's okay. I'm, I find myself in a league of my own frequently. <laughs> um and I, I don't even know what Baba is, is you is. So if I had to guess, I would guess Disco Elysium, but um, I wouldn't necessarily vote in this category. Yeah, I would pick for me of all of these, uh, Katana Zero is what I would pick. Uh, there's actually independent games uh, that I've played that are not on this list, which is a bummer to me. Um, but we'll talk about those in our end of the year show. Uh, so I would pick Katana Zero. I think Outer Wilds might win this just because I don't know that it's voted nominated for anything else. Mm. Uh, um, and I think that people really love that game. And I think this might be the, well, you're not voted nominated for everything else. And we really love you. So we're going to vote for you here category for them. So sure. I feel like Outer Wilds might win. All right. Uh, next on the list, games for impact. Uh, nominees are Concrete Genie, uh, Gris Grease. I don't know how to say this name. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be gray, the color gray in a language that's not English. Uh, but I'm not smart, so I don't know that. Uh, kind Words, Life is Strange 2, Sea of Solitude. Where do you sit, sir? find myself in another category where I can only go based on what people say. It sounds like Life is Strange 2 has the more dramatic story to it. Um, I can only imagine that leaves an impact <laughs> behind with people. I don't have a vote for this one. I'm not... I know you played Concrete Genie to completion. I yep. want to play Sea of Solitude. Um, I just haven't gotten to it. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only thing I could vote for, though I don't know that it's that thought-provoking and pro-social uh, meaning or message. So I, I think Life is Strange 2 probably fits the bill there a little more from what I've heard of it, and I do want to play Life is Strange 2. Uh, but yeah, I, I really have a hard time knowing where this is going to go. Obviously, like I said, I'd have to vote for Concrete Genie because it's the only one I've played to completion. Um, but I think Life is Strange 2 is going to win. So we'll see what happens. Uh, game Direction. 
nominees. Some of these are not going to be surprising. Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and Outer Wilds, immediately showing that I don't know anything I'm talking about with the Outer Wilds only being nominated in one category. (laughs) That's okay. What would you vote for? I feel like I know, but what would you vote for? Well, you know, because I just told you (laughs) earlier, but I feel like Resident Evil 2 will win. Okay. Um, But yeah, I pick Control. I pick I pick control as well. Uh, I actually think Outer Wilds is going to win this one as well. Okay. Yeah, I I hope Resident Evil Two wins. I think Resident Evil Two, you know, coming out so early in the year, uh, maybe is going to be missed a little bit. But yeah, I think Outer Wilds is going to win. But I would pick Control as well because it's so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the presented by Subway fresh indie game, recognizing a new independent studio that released its first game in 2019. Uh, nominees are Zaum for Disco Elysium. I think that's how you say that. Uh, Nomada Studio for Gris or Grease or Gray or whatever that game is. Uh, Dead Toast Entertainment for My Friend Pedro. Mobius Digital for The Outer Wilds. Megacrit for Slay the Spire. And House House for Untitled Goose Game. Josh, who do you think is going to win or who do you want to win or both? I pick House House because I like their name. That sounds great. That sounds I, great. Yeah, I have, I have no clue. I mean, Slay the Spire has been something that has always been talked about, so I could see Mega Crit winning. Um, I would love to see who whoever wins is great for them. Like first year, first game, awesome. Like I have no horse in this race. I have horses in the race, but I do think that yes, I think House House is going to win for Untitled Goose Game. Though I personally would vote for Medic- Mega Crit for Slay the Spire. All right. Josh, a, a category near and dear to your heart. Yes. Fighting Game, Dead or Alive 6, Jump Force, Mortal Kombat 11, Samurai Showdown, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mm. Is Smash Brothers even a fighting game at this point? That's a great question that we could debate <laughs> on another show. <laughs> Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, uh, not only is it the best fighting game of the year, it's the best Mortal Kombat game um, that they've made so far. Uh, it's incredible. It's such a great game. Do you think that's what's going to win as well? It has to win. Over this Smash is like Brothers? A, it has to. It has to win over Smash Brothers. Okay. Uh, I definitely know. I see. I, I enjoy Smash Brothers. Um, obviously not to the extent like, like Jason plays it daily. Um, and I would love to play it with more people more often, but it just never happens. Um, I just, I I can't imagine a world where Mortal Kombat doesn't win this category. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I vote for Mortal Kombat as well. I do think that Smash Brothers is going to win though. I will cry many tears. Oh, I hope not. But if you do, it's okay because crying is okay. So hopefully though, Mortal Kombat 11 wins and you'll be crying tears of blood. (laughs) That's how that works, right? Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, best Family Game, Luigi's Mansion 3, Ring Fit Adventure, uh, Super Mario Maker 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Yoshi's Crafted World. Uh, which Nintendo game is going to win, Josh? <laughs> best Nintendo game goes to... Uh, the, here's the thing. It says Family Game, right? So I, I can't pick Smash Brothers. Like, I have to pick Yoshi. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, only because I, I'm just trying to put myself in the mindset of Best Family Game and... Mm-hmm. Mario Maker 2 isn't accessible to everyone in the family. Smash Brothers is definitely not for everyone in the family. And I know I'm generally 
defining family in my own brain. Uh, That's fine. Um, let me just mention, I mean, it just came out. It could potentially uh, win, but I feel like Yoshi's Crafted World fits my picture of what best family game is. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Luigi's Mansion 3, but I think Super Mario Maker 2 is going to win. Yeah. So that is what my prediction. Uh, next is a whole bunch of esports awards that we're going to skip. So sorry, esports team, esports player, esports host, esports game of the year, esports event, and esports coach. We're skipping all of you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm making the uh, decision to skip content creator of the year as well. Smart. Okay. So we're <laughs> going to go on to community support because I think this would be an interesting one. Uh, the little tagline is recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. Uh, nominees are Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy fourteen, Fortnite, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Mm. If in a world I had to give this award out, it would be important to me that the person who gets this award actually maintained that standard for its life, and Destiny 2 doesn't fit that standard. Okay. They're better now. Right. Without Activision. Um I would say Apex Legends for me, but I really feel like Rainbow Six Siege really just has been crushing community support. Yeah, and that's what I think, too. I feel like Rainbow Six Siege really does, I think, more than almost any game listen to their player and provide updates extremely quickly. I think Apex does a good job, but they also, for better, I think, don't work their staff maybe to the same extremes as other companies. Sure. Um. So, you know, Apex updates rather infrequently in comparison to games like Fortnite. Uh, but I think that, yeah, I think Rainbow Six Siege, if there's ever a time to recognize them for the work they've been doing, I think that is a this is a great way to do that because I think they have been doing an outstanding job. Yes. All right, audio design. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Control, Death Stranding, Gears 5, Resident Evil 2, or Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I pick Control. I pick control too. What do you think's going to win? Oh, I don't know. Let's say Death Stranding. <laughs> do you genuinely think it's Because this is voted on by people. It's not like Jeff Keeley picking them. Even though I did call this episode the Keeleys, uh, he is not the person who picks the winners. Does it say that the people who vote have 100% of the votes? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like the People's Choice Awards. No, they don't have 100. Like, the the vote from the audience counts for something, but then so does the vote from the I'm panel. I'm look of... it up while we talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the split is, but yeah, the same people who did the nominations, I think, that same group then gets to vote on the finalists, I think is how it works. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm, yeah. I'm, <laughs> color me. Skeptical? sure that's a better word than i was gonna use <laughs> okay awesome okay so we both vote for control but you, you think death stranding is gonna win i i want control to win that's what i, I say. okay <laughs> i want control to win as well uh i think you could make an argument probably for um many of these games but i, I do think that control uh from an audio design whew, very very impressive <laughs> um art direction presented by samsung qled uh, nominees, Control, Death Stranding, Gris, Sayonara, Wild Hearts, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and The Legend of Zelda, Link's Awakening. What do you say, sir? 
Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Is it gonna be a broken record? Uh, <laughs> I I pick control. I pick control. Uh, what do I think will win? Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Although I could see Sayonara Wild Hearts winning. Uh, yeah, well. I think Sayonara Wild Hearts might win this because I think uh, Obra Dinn won last year, if I recall correctly. Yes, so I that think, sounds right. I think Sayonara Wild Hearts might win this one. I also pick Control. Uh, Death Stranding, the fact that Death Stranding is on here, is to me, in this category especially, I think is kind of odd. I, I don't know. And not saying the art direction is bad. Right. It, it's just pretty outside world. You know, like... I know that I'm being very minimal. I, I'm minimizing everything else in that game, but uh, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of really pretty outside places. All right. Okay, Josh, I'm going to have you explain something to me in a minute. But Ooh. best action adventure game. Oh, you, I don't want to explain what you're going to ask me to explain. <laughs> What's the difference between best action game and best action adventure game, Josh? Help me understand. Okay. Best action game, it says... For the best game in the action genre, focus primarily on combat. Okay. Okay. Action adventure. For the best action adventure game, combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Okay. So yeah, Josh, they explained it pretty good there. Okay, Josh. What game <laughs> or what category should Borderlands Three be in? The game that has a billion guns. It's clearly best family game. <laughs> I don't understand the differences. Anyway, action-adventure game. The nominees are Borderlands 3. You know, that game with all the guns and all the puzzle-solving, apparently. Uh Uh, Control. Death Stranding. Resident Evil 2. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. And Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. I think Sekiro probably is just going to lose out on a lot of things, even though it's a pretty great game. Same with Resident Evil 2. But maybe I'm just wrong. Hey, I would love to play Sekiro. I almost bought it on Black Friday sales. I almost but, did too. But I didn't. Uh, did I? I picked control. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I, mean, I, I think it will well, I think it should win. I this is a game I could potentially see Resident Evil 2 winning because there is more pro- puzzle solving in there. I think Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, if you're looking from a puzzle perspective, could also probably win this category. Um but yeah, I mean control is kind of oh, man, I have a soft spot for control. This is gonna we should just do a control podcast. Uh sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what is going to win, but I vote for control. So, all right. Next, then, best action game. So different. Uh, Apex Legends, Astral Chain, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, Metro Exodus. Mm. Uh, I pick the winner, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You think so? I think so. Man, this is a tough one because there's a lot of games I would like to see win. There's two other games I'd like to see win. What are those two? Apex and Gears. <laughs> yeah, I really like... I mean, I haven't finished it yet, but I really like Devil May Cry 5. Uh, yeah. I actually finally put Astral Chain into my Switch. I haven't played it yet, though. Okay. Um, so I'm close, right? Almost there. <laughs> Almost there. I didn't play enough of Gears 5 to be able to say. Um, I have Metro Exodus downloaded, but I haven't played it. Uh, man, I... I'm going to go ahead and say Apex Legends is going to win this because yeah. everyone's going to feel bad that Star Wars didn't get nominated for anything. So they're going to vote for Apex Legends for best action game. All right. And the granddaddy of them all. Game of the year. Control. <laughs> Death Stranding. Resident yeah. Evil 2. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. 
Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and the Outer Worlds. Josh? Hi. What's your heart tell you? Oh, man, I think I have to vote Death Stranding on this one. You're such <laughs> I'm a liar. I'm kidding. I pick, I pick control. <laughs> what do you th- Genuinely, though, in this category, what yes. do you think will win? Oh, that's tough. I don't know. Like I said, because I have no idea where control sits in the zeitgeist of these gamers that are voting or potential gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see any of these winning. Well, really? that's not true. I could see Smash Brothers winning, depending on who's voting. Yep. I could definitely see Resident Evil 2 winning. I could see... I, I just couldn't see Sekiro winning uh, out of all these. Um, I, I think that they all have a chance to win, though. I, I do think The Outer Worlds is going to win. You think so? I do. I think that The Outer Worlds, of all of these games, is the one that has been played by the most critics and is appreciated by the most critics. Death Stranding was too controversial. Uh, or I shouldn't say controversial, too decisive, too divisive. Uh, Control, I don't think enough of them played. Resident Evil 2, there are certain people who are just not going to play uh, any horror games. Sekiro is too challenging for some. Smash Brothers is kind of old at this point, um, and some people just don't dig fighting games, whether or not it's a fighting game. Um, but The Outer Wilds, like, it is... Or The Outer Worlds, excuse me. Gosh darn it. Um, it is a genre that a lot of people love. It is a from a studio that a lot of people have a fond thought of that is a recreation or a reworking of a game that people want to come back. We haven't had a good one in a few years. I really feel like it just is hitting all the right spots at the right time with the right combination of games to win. All right. And after some tef- technical difficulties, a power outage, among other things, we're back. Uh, Josh, you said you had some FAQs for us. Yeah, I have one FAQ uh, that's very important. And it is called, it is titled, Who Selects the Winners? This is on the Game Awards FAQ page. And it says, I quote, Winners are determined by a blended vote between the voting jury, I'm leaving out numbers, and the public fan voting, I'm leaving out numbers. Fans can vote for their favorite games once every 24 hours on thegameawards.com and via Google search. Voting across all categories and also Twitter, DM, and Discord. Uh, Kyle, if you had to guess... Uh Uh-huh. My Google thing opened. Uh, Stop listening. Uh... Did you look at this yet? I have not looked at okay. it, no. If you had to guess the percentage that the fan, the public fan voting counts and the the percentage the voting jury gets, what would you think those numbers would be? I am going to guess it is 90-10 in favor of the quote-unquote professionals, 10% coming from the public. You nailed it. It's 90, is that really what it is? 90% for the voting jury. So when you said there's no way Death Stranding could win all of these awards because the public is voting, their vote is only 10% of the vote. I, I, if I said that, what I, I didn't mean it that way. I meant there's no way because with the press, it was so divisive. Oh, sure, sure. Like there are people who love the game and people who hated the game who reviewed it. Okay. And I, and I think in listening to just people talk about it, uh, it, it seems like they're that seems to be true as well. So I, I can't imagine there's going to be enough outlets that are going to vote for death stranding as right. an outlet saying as IGN, here's the game that we are voting for, for game of the year. If that yes. makes sense. But essentially uh, our votes don't count at all. They count for 10% of sure. Of what? <laughs> 10%. So if, 
you know, um, if a hundred, if there are ninety votes from the, <laughs> you're trying too the, hard. <laughs> I am trying really hard, and yeah, yeah, I, I don't know that it's gonna it's gonna work. You're right. The fan vote is a very small percent. Uh, I think. I felt like one year they talked about that the um, fan vote counted for more in a certain category or, or it was there was a category that was all picked by the fans. But I, I don't know that that is true this year anymore. Uh, but I feel like potentially in the past that was the case. But yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about the Game <laughs> Awards before we wrap up and, and we have another power outage or whatever else is going to happen? God, who knows when it's going to happen. It could happen any second now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then, hey, let's get out of here. We're just going to move straight into a well-rounded life while we are clearly a gaming podcast. We do want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners? Well... Keeping with the Disney Plus vibes. I don't remember who recommended it to me. If it was on here, if it was on Discord, if it was in public life. Um, But we started watching on Disney Plus the Imagineering story, uh, which essentially starts uh, telling the story of Disneyland, how that became a thing and tells the story of, of the Disney brothers, if you will. And how um, a lot of it got put together, some of the uh, uh, things that ran into, uh, obstacles in their way, deaths, Disney World, what that was going to be. What's been most impressive to me is the quality of the content for a lot of old footage. Mm -hmm. It It looks fantastic and it is very colorful. Uh, vivid, like eye-catching colors that I noticed, um, and the story is just very interesting to me. And I and I thought I knew a lot about Disney, and there's a lot of stuff I'm learning that I had no idea about. Um, so it's it's a very high recommendation if you are fascinated by Disney, um, or even if you just like documentaries, because it's actually a very well um, parted documentary. Awesome. That is the Imagineering story on Disney Plus. Uh, my recommendation is a stand-up special on Netflix called Mike Birbiglia, the new one. I'm a big fan of Mike Birbiglia's stand-up. Uh, I don't necessarily know that he gets as many quote-unquote laugh out loud, like huge chuckle, like just but gut busting laugh moments as maybe some other comedians. But I think he weaves a story together better than just about anyone in the business. The way he puts his stand-up specials together and the way he weaves everything together, I truly think is very special. Um, and I think his his newest one, called The New One, is no different. Uh, this is basically the, if you knew or did not know, he was doing a show on Broadway. Um, and this is that show. This is what he was doing on Broadway. Uh, and if you are a parent or a new parent especially, I think this show might, uh, you might be able to relate to this show pretty well. Um, but even as someone without kids, uh, I still found it very fascinating and very enjoyable to watch. So if you like stand up comedy at all, um, or if you're a fan of Mike Birbiglia, I think it's an easy recommend. The new one that is on Netflix. Nice. Uh, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Yes, please. So I can go shovel. Hooray. Uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash boardwithvgi. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, 
or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to share with us what you're doing with that hashtag. Whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our standalone, very own standalone, board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Google Stadia, at Why So Serious, that's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me at all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, and yes, also Stadia, thanks to Josh, uh, all at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. Uh, next week, you will we will be doing our favorite games of the year discussion for both board games and video games. Uh, the episode that comes out December 17th, we'll be doing our board games of the decade conversation with a very special guest, which we'll reveal when we get a bit closer to that, as well as maybe recapping the Game Awards slash the Keeleys, because uh, those will be the episode immediately after those are announced. Uh, December 24th, we'll be doing our video games of the decade with Donnie Reese from PSVG, and then December 31st, our episode will be our 2020 preview. So that's kind of a roadmap of what you have to look forward to. Uh, If you do have any feedback, suggestions, or anything like that related to those things, please let us know. Um, We'll be making a pretty big social media push on all of those because we'd like to include your lists as well. So as always, if you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to be talking about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Stop gaming.